And we're back for another episode. Episode 10, Ten. in fact. 10. 10. Uh, Roman numeral X. X, if you will. Episode 10 of Lost on the River, and we couldn't be more excited. Hello, my name is Aaron Sharp. I'm joined by Bill Furby. That's me. Elias Leisring. Hey, go. Our producer, Matt Spaulding. <laughs> episode 10, and it's a great episode. Super excited. We've got one of Cincinnati's hottest new acts here in the building at Herzog Studios with us this evening, Lauren Elise. And then later, we're going to be joined by... Legend. A legend. Otis Williams. Otis, Otis Williams of King Records. I can't even believe that's happening. Yeah, well, it is. You know what? Paul McCartney was excited to meet Otis Williams. Yeah. How excited am I to meet Otis Williams? Well, I don't know. If Paul McCartney was excited to meet Otis Williams... Sure. I'm just saying, I'm excited to meet Otis Williams. When you're a legend, I can yeah. tell. You're legendary. Yeah, yeah seriously. That's what I did there. <laughs> I read that. Let's, let, let's, get, let's get right to it. We got Lauren Elise. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Hi, Lauren. And I want to just go ahead and just apologize for all of us. <laughs> we're just right out of the gate. Because we're lost on the river. We're episode lost 10. on the river. There's a reason behind that name besides the Hank Williams We've song. outdone Star Wars. Yeah, we have. We've had more episodes than the Beatles have had albums. We've had more episodes. Is that true? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I'd fact check that. Let's cut that. We'll cut that out. We've had more episodes than they were together. Years there. There you go. We have more episodes than there are members members. of ZZ Top. We have more episodes than I Have Eyes. Not more episodes than Star Trek. No. They had a lot. Not more seasons. We have more episodes than Night Court had seasons. They only had nine seasons. Oh, can we take speaking, a moment? Can we take a yes. moment for Harry Anderson? Can speaking we take a of moment? Night Court, yeah. You know where he died? You know where he was? Asheville. <laughs> hard to believe. Asheville, North Carolina. It's hard to believe. Now it's, here, it's amazing how it all comes. Here's back my to funny Asheville. story. It does. Uh, it's the center of the universe. It's a proven fact. A couple nights ago, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, headed out out on the town with my buddy Mike. And uh, as we're traveling, he's telling me the story of uh, Harry's uh, magic act and that he has this club and, and he does all this. And, and we're just talking about uh, how, how great his act is and his, his passion and all this. Uh, and, I, and I parked the car and I looked down at my phone and there's a message from you guys, Matt, producer Matt, with, with a link saying, saying that he had passed. And that was just uh, – that was a – I don't know what kind of moment it was. Lauren? It was, are you? Did were you a big fan of Night Court? Not at all. <laughs> I actually have can no I, idea what you're talking about. Can I ask you a question? Right yes. <laughs> Who was your favorite character in Night Court? <laughs> Whoever your favorite character was, is. Was it Bull? Not so much. Harry. It must. Harry. Be Harry. Okay, there you the go. one. Well, Harry died. So Night Court was a TV show. We're really getting off kind the, of uh, a off similar. The rails here. That's okay because we're. This is an interview session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it was kind of like, uh, you know, if you watch it, it feels like a Seinfeld, but in a courtroom. Okay. 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 It was. It's a, it was. What? It 80, was a 80, funny. It was like mid eighties to like 92, 93. Can I Google it? Yeah. Will there be yeah. episodes on? Yeah. I'm going to check You'll it out. Jo- John Larroquette became famous on the show. John Larroquette. Yes. Post. And, and, Post? and a lot of other people wow. went Lauren's on really to regretting be this uh, this comedians. <laughs> this uh, segue and all this is going to get cut on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Whatever. No, this is to, okay. We won't talk about this anymore. Lauren, where are you from? We good? Where are you from? Where are I, you from? I'm Seriously. born and raised Cincinnati, Cincinnati Ohio. Yes. yes. It, you know what though? That, that that's actually a good question because. 
for me, having worked in the business for almost 20 years and working in local radio, I just discovered you at the CEAs last year. Mm. And my immediate, my immediate question was, where is she from? Where'd she come from? <laughs> and, and to be fair, I've, I've gotten older and I'm not nearly as in touch as I used to be with what was ha- what's happening in the live music scene in Cincinnati, but it was such a pleasant surprise, kind of an aha moment seeing you at the CEAs. I thought you totally stole the show. Thank you. And uh, so how long have you been at this? And, and Well, here's the rub. Tell That's us what the, the rub. kids say, the rub. So the rub, um, no. I've been singing all my life, I'm told. Mm-hmm. So it's like two. Um, born and raised in Cincinnati. I went to school, the University of Dayton. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that's where I was really beginning my career. You know, couch burner, huh? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had some wild days. <laughs> I might have seen a couch or two get set on fire there. Um, and then I came back to Cincinnati once I graduated and immediately moved to New York City, where I uh, worked in entertainment marketing for a while. Ooh. And did some very skeptic things. New York's a crazy place. Learned sure. a, learned a lot. And then I came back after I um, got pregnant. Mm-hmm. About two years after that. So that's probably why you didn't see me for a while. Okay. But as soon as I got back, it was right to work. So. So how, you've been back for how long? Oh damn! How long has that been? Where a we, while. So oh, about three years, maybe. That's wow, not that that's not that long. No, no, no. But it feels like it's been sure. so much yeah. longer. Wow, that's incredible. Well, I was hearing your. I did. I. I had been hearing your name around, but I hadn't heard your music, hadn't seen you. And the CEAs, again, just great. And that was a, such, such a fun night of, of music overall, as it always is. But uh, you kind of stole the show. Yeah, well, not thank lie. you. That was my first time attending the CEAs, so yeah. it was a great experience. I saw you have a show, Is it? and I'm also not super connected to the scene now that I'm 40 and have children. <laughs> but is it... Coming up, your Woodward Theater show, or yes. did that already? Okay. So I will be headlining the Woodward Theater uh, May 4th. Right. Before that, though, I, I'm performing at uh, U.S. Bank Arena next week. Oh, yeah. Whoa, U.S. Wow. Bank Arena. Can That's going to be incredible. Can we talk about this for a second? Outwork Cincinnati Funk Fest. Let's talk Erica about Badu. it. Erica yeah. Badu. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. First of all, Erica Badu. First of all. Do we need to say anything else? <laughs> Talib Quelly <laughs> is going to be there. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's going to be incredible. And you are playing on the stage. At U.S. Bank Arena. I don't even with think those my brain people. is aware of what's about to happen. <laughs> it's just because you seem nervous here. I'm about to be nervous as hell, but <laughs> I've been told. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This is going to be a little bigger at it's the U.S. Bank. I know intense. that this feels kind of this a is big, a big but, deal, but big deal. Yeah, U.S. Bank Arena, slightly larger. I'm told Plus if you're Erica not nervous, you don't care about it. So I'm I'm really nervous, and I'm just gonna do my very best. I'll leave it. At, well, I played the Aeronoff a couple of a months ago, and that was major oh, nice. for me. And I've what was never that? been what so was, nervous. What, what was that a part of? It was a very interesting show. It was uh, Pretty Ricky and Lloyd and um, Jay Holiday. Very okay. R&B. Mm-hmm. Very, but it was very cool. But my stomach hurt so bad. Like I mean, it's like TMI, mm-hmm. but I really had to like really go. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. before I got on stage, <laughs> oh. and I was just like. <laughs> You just got to go, girl. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's I've never been so nervous in my life, so yeah. I can only imagine what U.S. Bank is going to be like. But I'm grateful well, good and luck. excited. <laughs> Send me all, yeah. the, all the good luck vibes. <laughs> well, I think it's amazing. I mean, Erica Badu is one of my favorite singers of all time, and uh, Talib Kweli is one of my favorite hip-hop artists of all time. And... I just recorded with his band. Oh, no. When I w- <laughs> Really? Oh, no. <laughs> 
No, I'm just like Aaron just sounded like he lost his chance. Like he was holding some kind of hope that maybe maybe they were gonna call me. Somehow, Talib was gonna call you up and be like, "I heard you got let go of NKU, and you may be a little down. Thought you could come in and record a couple tracks." And then he just found out that you got that call instead. instead. Oh no, that is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, man, I stole your shot. It was incredible. I was I was on tour, and it was my first stop up tour. Yeah, and I went to Talib's show and kicked it backstage and everything, and through a very strange twist of events, um, DJ Clockwork, he he DJs for uh, Mac Miller. We have a track coming out together. And we went to the studio and I look up and the whole band's coming in. I was just like, what the shit is happening? And I have never been surrounded by that caliber of talent. Like the bassist is crazy. Just Mm -hmm. I'm not worthy to be in this room. It was incredible. You can see the aura on me. I'm still kind of (laughs) like shining from it. It was incredible. Incredible. Congratulations. What is is his, I'm trying to figure this out and and I should talk to these guys uh, over at Rebel. How, what are they doing bringing this guy? How are they getting him? Like, he's been at, at Revel and OTR like two or three or four times now. He's there doing appearances. a lot, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know how that happens. Somebody knows somebody. I haven't actually been to one of those. Well, either have I because I'm not. But I, I don't know it. that he's <laughs> He's a cool from, guy. I don't know that to live no, is from Cincinnati. No, he's from Brooklyn. But he has been. In Cincinnati for in recorded and recorded. Yeah, there's some kind of connection. Engineered. His band, uh, one of his band members is from Cincinnati. It's incredible. Uh, okay. It, he's got a real love for Ohio, it seems. Well, I'm that, all with it. That's very cool. So, and that is happening April 27th. April 27th. Right? That's like one week away. Oh, my God. Oh you my should God. really start getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> now about the time. If you're not nervous if yet. You. Yeah. This time. <laughs> if this was kind of like a pre-nerve thing. <laughs> So in full effect now. Uh, obviously, you can get tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Yes, this yes. will run before. Yes, this will run on Wednesday before this show. So that's coming up. Very cool. And uh, do you know like when that starts? When do you go on? Eight o'clock. Okay. Eight o'clock. I hope I'm not wrong about that. I'm really bad with details. But if you miss me there for any reason, Woodward is where you want to be anyway. And who's playing with you at the Woodward on May 4th? Oh, I have um, a local hip-hop artist, Chris Crooks, uh, Siri Amani from, from Tribe. Tribe. They mm-hmm. won a CEA. Yes, they did. Is it called a CEA? A Cincinnati it Entertainment is. Award. Yep. Yes, yep. CEA, CEA. I got it. Oop, put that together. <laughs> uh, she'll be opening as well. And then I also have uh, Macho Means, one of the owners of Black Owned. He also oh, okay. does music. So yeah, that'll yeah. be really cool. And Tribe will making a guest appearance as well as another some other surprise guest. I'm not going to give it all away. All right. But it's going to be an incredible night. I'm very excited. And that's Tribe with three eyes. Three eyes. That's a lot of eyes. Mm-hmm. That's more than I have. Oh, that's kind of deep, though, like a third eye. I never thought about that. Ooh. Wow. Maybe. Ooh. They're, they're, they're kind of deep. They probably did that on purpose. They probably did. Now that, <laughs> I'm, I'm just now catching up. Like, now wow. that <laughs> That's incredible. Oh. Tribe used to be Black Seeds, now Tribe. Very cool. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. May 4th at the Woodward Theater. So what else is going on in terms of recording and what you have already done and what you got coming up? I am doing a lot of recording right now, a lot of writing, um, and a lot of collaborating with different artists, both here um, and in New York and Chicago. Um, I just wrapped my tour, like I said, and I'm just looking to the future. 
I'll be going to the UK in July, it looks like. Oh, wow. I don't want to speak on things that aren't in stone and then that falls through, but you got to speak it into existence. So Absolutely. I'll, I have some or shows. Or sometimes you keep it to yourself and you let the bubble build. I'm just That too. <laughs> you, you can't do that. I can't I mean, speak I'm it just, to myself. <laughs> just a <laughs> thought, side thought, that's all. A, you, yep, you're right. I could do that. Uh, there's there's two two schools of thought. No, I would be excited if I was going I'm to the excited. UK to play music. I've never traveled outside of I'm the I'm excited when I go to my oh. attic to play music because that's where I <laughs> that's where I do all of my music playing and no one even ever invites me and actually sometimes even I get in trouble for oh. playing there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got, to actually, out. I got the call last week. Yeah. Hey, I don't have Elias's number. Can you tell him that? <laughs> that was the neighbor here. <laughs> oh, different neighbors. And it was only because the drummer wasn't here, and so it was just the bass player and myself. So we had the opportunity to turn it up, and we were to eleven. We weren't practicing or rehearsing our own music. We were just making noise. Just getting loud for a second, yes. you know, just getting it out. Sometimes you gotta get. Sometimes it out. you gotta get it out. And then Sometimes city beat calls. It's this the city beat neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> He's very, very flexible with us because he. I think might listen to the podcast. So. He's probably listening to it, it right now. Yeah, he's, since he is our neighbor. Oh, we're talking, I'll about, take, we're talking about Tony? Tony Greg, Greg, I am sorry for oh. last Thursday. I'll just say it on air. <laughs> I really do apologize. So you've been collaborating, but uh, and do you have an, an like a full album kind of thing that you that I'm in that I'm working on? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, but I'm very eager to um, push myself sonically this time around. Mm-hmm. So on the forefront, going further, I'm just going to be dropping a few singles, like I said, some collaborative pieces, and then mm-hmm. I'm writing. I'm being a sort of real creepy secret person about it, and just writing my butt off and storing those things for later. Yeah. Um, that's the bubble. I that's the, about. that see for the album. I'm yeah. in the bubble. You're in the bubble. I'm in the bubble. Cool. There you go. I, I really want to produce a, a really powerful piece of work mm-hmm. that is not bound by genre. And I think to do that, I need to shut up about it and just write it because people all, everybody has opinions and oh, oh, R&B yeah. is this. And it's like, it's not, it's just music. Just let it live, let it breathe and feel it. Yeah, I mean, I when I hear you, I, I hear a very soulful voice. But do I would I say it's R and B? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could call it R and B. We should totally have Lauren. Got to relax a little bit. Play some songs for us now that we've really, you know. Lauren, would you mind playing a couple set, songs? Set the, set I'd love tone. to do that. Actually, that'd be awesome. So, what do you got for us? What's this first one? Um, my first song I'm going to sing for you all is "Loud Afternoon" from my debut EP, "Life, Death, Life," and it's also my current single. All right. It's, it's available on iTunes, Spotify, all those digital platforms that the kids frequent these days. The kids and their digital <laughs> platforms. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. It's Lauren Elise, Lost on the River. Today, but 
with you Grow poetry in shades with you Sing lullabies and listen to your blues Said I got hungry, hi, I'm hyped off you Got freaky, sneaky, feisty too I learned your fantasies and told them too And I got crazy, baby, loud is true You tame me, lay me out and soon I reached for something sweet to roll for you Louder to know what you get Louder to know what you just Hazy shades for outside gazers When louder to know what you get Louder to know what you aim Down to know where you again Yeah, yeah, yeah I swing that and we go back back and forth back in my bed back in yours no show windows no shut doors let every sound go where it's supposed to be baby I tell him, sip, 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 so I do love. Don't get, 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 get too tired, love. You blow my heart and I promise I'll blow yours. Rock it good, rock it right up. Bring me down and roll me down, yeah. I got the spark, you got my heart, baby. Press play, Loud afternoons, but you get loud afternoons, but you just hazy shades for outside gazers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Loud afternoons, but you get loud afternoons with you. It's down afternoon with you again and again and again and again, yeah. Step by step, I start to realize I ain't got no lead. 
I ain't got no vines well they got me again man's got God in the mirror defending his image fang on the trigger fat fang on the trigger power tonight power to own and powerless flowers that bow at the throne Lost on the River, beautiful song, Lauren. What's the name of that one? Petals. That song is called Petals. I wrote that song about two months postpartum. It's an ode to women everywhere. Not just women, though, you know, humans, people, being who you are authentically. And your music is every bit that. I mean, uh, your lyrics are every bit that in, in a time when I feel like 
So much of what's coming out in music is so formulaic. Um, yours is quite the opposite of that. So, Thank you. so, so much substance, and and I can't be the only one that got goosebumps several no, absolutely. times. Absolutely, yeah. the, the metaphor about I wasn't born in a flower garden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't keep me in a box. What a great, what a great, what a great way to say. You know, I've I've had a hard life, or I I'm not you know silver spoon in my mouth, yeah, which yeah. is what everybody always says. Now, as I was listening, I was trying to, like, what kind of genre, you know, yeah. are you thinking? And it's like singer-songwriter, so what separates the singer-songwriter? And I think there's, like, a soul, which, you know, in 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 your voice, there's a soulful feel that... Right, we were talking earlier about, you know, how do you describe what it is that you do? Is it R&B? Is it singer-songwriter? And, you know, okay, whatever. It's either one. It's whatever yeah. you want to call it, or it's just... Great music, and yeah, you've got that soulful voice. but And you have soul, so there's you can't... That's all that matters. You either yeah. have that I or you I never want to be bound to genre. Sure. It's all about the soul. It's the feel. Like, how do you feel? How am I making you feel? You can call that whatever you want. It could be rock and soul. That, ooh, oh, get out my mind. That's what I tell everybody when they ask, <laughs> like, what kind of music do you do? I'm like, rock and soul. Not because of it so much sonically, but how you feel. I'm trying to rock your soul, literally. Sure. There you go. Well, before I, because I'm trying really, really, really hard not to uh, ask you about Silver Spoons, now that you mentioned being born with a silver spoon in your mouth, another great show from the 80s starring Ricky Schroeder. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He said it. So no, I want uh, tell me about how long you've been playing guitar, and did you are you self taught? I am self taught. I picked up the guitar summer of 09. I was actually working as a live performer at Coney Island. Oh, oh wow. What Ooh, kind of live performer? That's awesome. Like theater stuff? or like It was the- like theater. You know, we sing during the day. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. 100 the degrees the out thing, there. The yeah, pavilion you thing. might have caught me some years um, ago. I probably did. <laughs> really? And um, we were on break, and one of my friends played, and I was like, I really want to play guitar. She taught me three chords, and the rest is history. I just taught myself. Stole my best friend's guitar. I still owe him like $200 for that. I'm sure he's not looking for it. He's on Broadway now. He right. it. He's fine. He's yeah. living great. That's fantastic. And the rest is history. Right. Um, but I, I've been I played piano first, self taught. I picked that up at, when I was thirteen. Very cool. We have a beautiful voice, and you Thank write you. great songs. And, Thank you. Uh, and you will be. She will be you. at for those listening at home at US Bank Arena this Friday, April twenty seventh. April twenty seventh. Yeah, that is a Friday, right? That, that okay. is a Friday. Along with, you know, a few other people. You Erica know, Badu. Just Erica Badu. What is? <laughs> uh, but the real the real the real star of the show, Lauren Elise. Ah. And then May fourth at Woodward Theater. Yes. And that's yes. gonna be a lot of fun. That's that's your that's is that your first headlining uh, deal at Woodward? Yes, it is. So very cool. it's very big for me. That's a big deal. I'm, it's a big deal. I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. Oh, good. Oh, that's the independent venue to play in Cincinnati. It Absolutely. Is. And that's it. it. That's and I mean, the... I love Motor. Mm-hmm. Um, we packed it out. Like the first time we were there, it was just crazy. Yeah, I heard. I was, so, I was it's mad just, I didn't make it. I'm very grateful. I'm very excited for this time. What a time to be alive, mm-hmm. as the kids say. I think they uh-huh. say that. I don't know. Uh-huh. Probably. <laughs> I've, I've heard <laughs> them say that. I've heard they say that. a few <laughs> things. I think you're thinking of YOLO. Uh, that's yeah, the one. That's the one. That's still alive. I still don't know what it. That's my least for. one of my least favorite slang sayings. Yellow, yeah. like well, it's my favorite. What about Froyo? The yogurt? No, there's a there's a <laughs> scooter rental place in Florida called Yolo, and it's just like all of these. What's all the yogurt these... that comes in a tube called? 
Yeah, goo. Gogurt. Gogurt. Oh, gogurt, because it's yogurt on the go. There you go. Nice. My 12-year-old loves that stuff. Well, <laughs> lives on it. Lord, let's hear another one. Let's hear one more, and uh, we will let you go. We've already taken up entirely too much of your time. But it's tortured, tortured is, is what they call that. <laughs> it's been a, it has been a lot of fun. We thank you so much been. for being here, Lost on the River, with us. Thank and you. we hope you will come back again soon. Good luck with everything. Good luck with the U.S. Bank Arena show. Huge. And then uh, the Woodward Theater show. Also huge in a different way. Uh, congratulations on your, uh, your performance at the CAs and all your success lately. And we can't wait to see a lot more from you down the road. Thank you. Take us out with one more, if you would. This last song is called Peaks and Valleys. It's a new one. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. And the one. Peaks and valleys. I was flying, now I'm falling short again. I've been dodging all my friends Tell me what is sense Peaks and valleys I've been crying, I've been heavy on myself I took my pride on out the shelf And made I need some help
Lost on the River, really great set of music. Thank you so much to Lauren for being here. And again, she is performing as part of Cincinnati Funk Fest this Friday night at U.S. Bank Arena, along with Erica Badu and just a few others. And then her big headlining gig at Motor, or not Motor Pub, excuse me, the Woodward Theater mm-hmm. on May the 4th. Check her out, laurenelise.com, E-Y-L-I-S-E, laurenelise.com. And now we're turning it over to Bill Furby. Well, I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity to, to welcome a living legend here. Uh, very, very humbled and honored to welcome Mr. Otis Williams. Uh, faithful listeners will recall our, our last episode, I shared a little bit of Mr. Williams' history, and we uh, shared uh, the song uh, Hearts of Stone, and, uh, uh, and very, as I said, very, very happy that we were able to get him to come in on this episode and uh, to, to share a little bit of the King stuff. Uh, the, the preservation efforts, but then in addition to that, uh, a lot of his own history, including very significant history with Henry Glover, uh, mentor Henry Glover, uh, King Executive. So, uh, and and as a compliment here, we have Elliot from the uh, nonprofit Music Heritage Foundation uh, as well. And I think I might just step back and let these guys take it from here. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here. So, what's Thank going you on? For having us here. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm more elated than. Probably I act. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Subtle excitement is just yeah. fine with us. Yeah. I'm going to uh, add on to the accolades here with Mr. Williams and on this podcast uh, declare what I think should happen in the city of Cincinnati, which I think Mr. Williams should be declared a great living Cincinnati and amongst us. I know every year there's different individuals that are declared that, and uh, I don't know how it all works with the Chamber of Commerce and so forth, but I think that that should be made, given the incredible history that you've brought to... Does anybody know anybody in the mayor's office? 
Well, this is on the chamber end. <laughs> oh, the chamber end. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, with I mean, Otis, I know uh, it's been a real pleasure and honor getting to know you over the last number of years and learning a little bit about your history as a Cincinnatian, as someone that uh, came up in the community and had options to not only play professional baseball, but you ended up choosing a uh, you know professional musical career that impacted the world. Not only for my own. Uh, ability to catch up later, you know, to understand, oh, when I was watching Henry Hill at this part of Goodfellas, well, that was Otis Williams singing in that because Martin Scorsese chose that song to be included or to, you know, later, uh, you know, spend time with, I had an honor to hang out with like Dave Parker, who was telling me, oh, you knew Otis Williams? And he's talking about (laughs) how you're cleaning up on the golf course with him um, amongst other things from that yeah. athletic prowess. The Cobra we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I know since the Music Foundation began and we had the opportunities to uh, try to celebrate and engage with the amount of incredible music and talent that has gone through the world, you've been a fantastic person to help us appreciate it and celebrate that and be a part of it and continue to do things with us. And so to have it in the space and for me to stumble into this podcast is, oh, is this not is my, my... My pleasure. My know. pleasure. Totally. I enjoy uh, giving somebody uh, an idea or giving people the idea of what happens in music, uh, what happened in music when I started, which wasn't very much going on. Uh, we happen to have either the first or the second, I say the first uh, million seller in doo-wop. I listened to a friend of mine uh, the other day on the internet, uh, Alan Freed. Mm-hmm. And he's a very good friend of mine. I did his uh, memorial show for him up in uh, Music Hall. No, it wasn't Music Hall. I take it back. Madison Square Gardens. And we had uh, seven of his best people that he liked in show business, and I was one of them. And but I, we had a lot of intimate times, you know, nice times together, and, and uh, spent a lot of good times with that guy. That guy was beautiful to me. Anyway, uh, he said that it was another group that was first, and I said, well, he might, they might have bought it out first, but. I'm pretty sure ours was the first hit million seller in Zubop. It took off faster, stronger by us, and then the uh, Fontaine sisters jumped mm-hmm. on it. And that's when it went worldwide. Now, nothing took off that fast. Records didn't take off that fast in those days. And for those of our listeners who don't know, what, what was this? What was the hit? Hearts Meet a Stone. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, we uh, kept going. And we came up with another song that hit <clears throat> the second million seller was uh, Ivory Tower, which we got from Kathy Carr. Uh, we put our own version on it, what I thought it sounded like to me in my head, and it went straight to number one. So it was kind of weird. The next year we had, uh, well, the year prior, prior to that was we were number one R&B group in the world. Uh by Downbeat, I think it was uh, Billboard. Then uh, it was 
The next year, it was from the Pittsburgh Courier, which is the number one black me- uh, newspaper in the world. So we did pretty good. We, and we that's, kept just, going. that's right out of the gate. So that was just, that's how it all started. That's where it all started. It all started. You, so. You're going to hear, you hear people say, well, I, I know this and I know this and I know this, you know. That doesn't mean uh, that they know the story. Mm-hmm. They may know a story, you know, that someone has told them. But I'm here to say <laughs> I lived it, you know, so I don't have to ask anybody about it. And uh, I hear people talk about what they did and where they were and who they were with and all that. I understand that. Everybody's got a story. You know, if you talk to anybody about, did you know Nat Cole? Yes. Well, that's a story. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it, bottom line, I don't knock people for uh, saying that they know the real story about this guy, that guy, this time, that time. Everybody's got a story. But when I speak to you about, uh, when I speak to the people about show business, I'm about the truth. I have no makeup about me. I'm just a old guy, you know, just doing my thing. I, I play ball, football, baseball. I've been in the Hall of Fame in both of them here in the city. And uh, so I'm just saying that I'm uh, just a Cincinnatian that happened to get lucky enough to have the talent to do what I did. Well, we'll talk about that now, because clearly success came pretty quickly with music in terms of, you know, the, the songs coming out and, and being million sellers. But what was, tell me about the, the, the foot in the door. When it, How did it really get started? How did you get that foot in the door? In, the, in high school. Mm-hmm. I came into school one day, and uh, there were four guys... In the John, I walked in front door, went to straight to the John, and I heard these guys singing. Miss Withrow, please. Is this at Withrow? At Withrow High School. Yeah. And uh, that was my first year. <clears throat> Excuse me, my first year at uh, well, sixty. I mean, it was fifty-three, fifty-three, and. Uh, I started singing along with them. I can't sing a lick in my mind at that time. I had to teach myself. But um, they asked me if I'd sing along with them. They, go, they were going to do the Withrow Minstrels, which is a, a variety show that they had there. And man, I'm not into music at that time. Didn't mean anything to me, you know. Just hum along like everybody else. Anytime you know you hear some music and you bounce up and down, that's what I was. They uh, talked me into doing this show. And the guy's name was Smitty, the band leader. And we were the only black act on the show. He put music behind all the other acts, maybe 89 acts they had on there. But he wouldn't put music behind us. So we had to do ours a cappella. We got the, uh, my mother and I got the uh, phone call from King Records asking us to come over to talk to her, talk to them about Recording. And I said, she said, you know anything about it? I don't know. I don't know anything about it. So we went over there. And and who was in the audience? Do you know who was in the audience that heard I have that? no idea. Okay. I have no idea. Was this presented as a minstrel show, too? Yeah, that's what it was. That yeah. was the name of it. It was the minstrel show. Okay. 
and uh, the Withrow Minstrels. That's what it was. And I, uh, I'm very surprised, you know, because like I was just up there having fun, mm -hmm. you know. And but they called me, so I get over there. My mother and I, we went over. And they said we want to record you, but we don't want to use the group. And I'm saying. I'm, I got a baseball scholarship, and I'm, I'm going to uh, play ball with Cincinnati Reds after college. And then it comes up uh, with all this uh, football stuff, and I was Mr. Football, kind of something to that point, that, that, uh, that point in, uh, in my junior and senior year. And so I just got inducted to the Hall of Fame with Cincinnati uh, football from the city. Then I got it from about a month ago, I got it from uh, Withrow High School. So I'm really into sports. And uh, my mother said, what do you want to do? I said, I don't want to do I don't want to do no singing. You know? <laughs> she said, well, let's talk to you guys. So I talked to the guys, and they begging me to do this, begging me to do this singing thing. I said, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go ahead and, and record you know, with you guys, because I had told Henry Glover and uh, Sid Nathan, I would not record, and these guys don't record. It's, uh, you take it my way or no way, because I didn't care. When, 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 did, when did you meet Henry in this, at that point? That was when I met Henry. I met him, but he wasn't my A&R man at the time. There was uh, another guy that kind of beat me out of my writer's royalties on a couple of things, and he's passed, so I won't speak about him. Uh, they were doing that to everybody, you know, but yeah. we were like the first run, forerunners of give me the money, give me the money, give me the money. And we knew nothing about money. I saw 50 cents a day going to high school, you know, so what do I know about money? Contracts and all that and do's and don'ts, I knew nothing about that. Uh, nobody in the group knew anything about that. So after a while, we did. We did. I went on and recorded with them, and uh, it was just twing twang. The, the the sound was bad, and they were just. It was just really bad time. It was six six uh, channels that we worked with. We didn't have any special this or special that. You were there all day and all night recording. I didn't like all that stuff. So finally, uh, in 54, when I graduated, we came up with a, a hit record, which was Hearts Made of Stone. That was recorded by, uh, uh, by uh, my, the group and myself and uh, Henry Glover. That was the first one that Henry, I think, was the first one that Henry came up with in, as my uh, producer. We get on the road, and uh, I'm not happy because I don't know anything about what I'm doing. And I'm one, I need to know what's going on around me and when it pertains to me. So I would go back to Cincinnati on breaks or whatever, and uh, Henry would talk to me, ask me about what I felt, what I hear. He never changed one note of any song that I arranged. Never changed a note. And I kept wondering about that because I didn't do anything, you know. And it was surprising to me that he would give me that kind of time. I mean, he was a legend before he was a legend, 
You know what I mean? So I'm I'm going along with Henry. <laughs> He's got me by the hand. So we'd sit down and play. He'd show me chords and and uh, he he listened to stuff by uh, that I've done or uh, other artists and then tell me how to make certain moves with my voice and do. He asked me if I wanted to do country. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said no, but I wound up doing some country with Bonnie Lou. Uh, and then later on, I recorded. I did my own album. I didn't do it for me, but it was for Columbia Records. The Midnight Cowboys. Yeah, it was came up pretty good. Oh yeah, it was good. You heard the album. Oh yeah, it's a good album. And uh, I just didn't want to sing down to country music. And I told them everybody in Nashville that knew me. They were in the back there in that control room, and they were just cheering me on, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, don't let me sing down to country music. I don't want to do that. And they kept uh, clapping their hands and saying, go ahead, man, go ahead. So I had a good time, and I had the best musicians in Nashville. The very best musicians in Nashville were on that that album. I think I remember a couple, if I've read it right. You had Pete Drake, who was way on that. You had Scotty Moore, who was engineering that. It was his studio. Scotty Moore's studio? Yeah. DJ Fontana, Elvis' right. drummer. Oh, wow. Elvis yeah, Presley's drummer, yeah. Scotty, the guitarist. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I know the names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I got almost half of uh, Elvis. All right. <laughs> was Henry then that prototype for what it is to range in the genres and to understand how it's all connected? Or, or Is that fair to say? Or I mean, I, yeah, know, that, I know when he was in this space, he was doing Moon Mullican stuff, but he was also doing Bull... Bullman's Jackson, that range. He did. Henry's range was, well, you have to understand, he was a trumpet player. Mm-hmm. And he was a very good trumpet player. So when, uh, that was the best move that Sid Nathan ever made was to get Henry. Because Henry could do it all. Yeah. He could do the whole thing. It was just what he, you know, he, he told me what, he, what I had was special. And I didn't understand that. It took me three, four years, to understand what he was saying, that I had a special talent. Because I could hear, you write a song and, and you hit a bad note or a bad note in a chord, I'll tell you, I can hear it. I can hear all of that. And I would just, just sit there and not necessarily using the piano all the time. I would hear notes in a chord that would make me say, you know, make you, you jump a little bit. And he said, that's a, that's a talent. He said, everybody can't hear that. He said, you find musicians that can play, play real good, but they can't hear that little off, you know, one string that's half or, or just a tense off. I could hear all that. And so he kept working. He worked with me like uh, we quit recording around 11, 30, 12 o'clock. He worked with me at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And when I got myself together, I said, but I don't want to hear nothing about men. I want to hear nothing but women. Because men were singing all the straight melodies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. Um, this is just my inception, conception of, of uh, music because I had no formal training. It was just what I, I could hear. And he kept telling me how special that was. So I started singing alongside women. Because they do more more inflections and stuff with their, with their voices than men do. And they get off the melody. Men weren't getting off the melody. 
uh, Frank Sinatra, none of those guys. They would, they would improvise as far as uh, where they would take the melody. They would take the melody, but they would stay pretty close to that melody. And the women don't do that. You know, they just get away and they just go have fun. And that's what I wanted to do. So I finally, finally wound up doing that, and I began to learn to sing and uh, what it took to sing, how to breathe. I worked on a show with uh, Big Joe Turner. Mm. I'll never forget it. He said, come here, man. We were on a top ten review, top ten artists in the country, black artists at that time. He said, uh, he said what you need to do, he said, don't worry about anybody else. He said, this, I, this think like your eyes are closed, but you're looking out at people. And just do what you feel. Don't worry about these people. They love you. You know, and I'm saying, he's giving me something that Henry's giving me. You know, some insight and helping me out too. You know, trying to tell me, you got to go ahead and use it. That was important to me. And believe it or not, all these things combined, I could do a whole band. I mean, whole everybody in the band, the harmonies, the music, the the the, the, the groups, and I finally finally learned how to be a musician. I don't play; I can play what I write, but uh, I can hear it. I don't know what I'm writing, what I'm putting putting down. If I put down a uh, I hit a C chord. I know that that's a C chord, but take me out of the C and D, I'm through. I don't have any idea what what I'm doing, but I can hear it. That's from Henry Glover. Now, if anybody talks to me about a nice person or somebody that really had his mind made up to to be a nice person, he was a nice person. He made you feel good when you did something with him or did something around him. If you messed up on playing guitar or something, he wouldn't go over and jump in your face. Talk to you. You know, when you take a break, come here, man, let me say something to you. That kind of guy. And that guy gets more out of you than you thought you had because he was interested in what you were doing. And you, and you wouldn't do that again because it's just Henry. And people didn't understand who was over there in that studio doing all that producing and arranging and writing. He was clever. You know, he, he, when he told me about country music, I said, no, man. He said, yeah, you ought to try it. And when I went to Nashville to do that album for Columbia, everybody with a name was in that, in that uh, control room. That just shows you don't, you don't know. You know, you don't know what people think of you. And I just really appreciated the fact that they were there. They came to see me. And it took me like four days. It was always packed, four days, jam-packed. So I, I, I congratulate Henry on any awards he gets, um, although he's gone. But anything he can do, I mean, anybody can do to uplift his name, uh, I appreciate it myself. You know, just like Alan Freed, he's a nice, my friend. Uh, along with another guy that I I really meant. He was my mother's second child. That was Jackie Wilson. He was my my running buddy. And uh, these three people probably did it for me. Jackie and I used to do a lot of stuff together. 
arranging, writing. Did you meet him when he was doing some stuff uh, at I, King, or or how how did that? I never knew him. That's the song we did. The first song we did at the uh, Minstrels was by the Dominoes. Okay. And I didn't know it. And I was talking to some girl one time. And he came. He was sitting at the end of the bar. It was in Detroit. And stage was behind the bar. But you come off on the side and go downstairs to the dressing room. Well, he was sitting at the corner of the bar. I didn't know who he was. You know, he didn't have a name. But his own name at that time was mm-hmm. not. Right, that. right, right, right. Uh, <clears throat> you didn't know who Billy Ward had singing lead here, you know. Right, right. All the guys sang. So turns around, he says, hey, man, I'm going to talk to you. I said, I don't know who you are. Who are you, man? He said, I'm Jackie Wilson. I said, didn't mean nothing to me. You know, I'm singing his song. Right, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, I'm Jackie Wilson. I said, well, what do you do, man? He said, uh, I'm a singer. And he got kind of rough because he thought I should know who he was. And I, I said, man, I don't know nothing about it. What do you want? He said, you've been talking to my girl. I said, your girl? Who's your girl? He told me the girl's name. And I said, I don't know anything about <clears throat> I know her, but that's it. You got a problem with her, go talk to her. Don't talk to me. So I'm walking down the steps, and he turns me around my shoulder and says, uh, you know, I used to be a, be a pretty good fighter. He said, I need to let you know that before this thing gets out of whack. I said, yeah, okay. I said, but you, you might be messing with the wrong guy. I said, you might have the wrong guy going for you this time. So <laughs> I said, if I were you, I wouldn't do that. So we kept talking, going down the stairs. We got down the bottom of the stairs, and we came to a, a happy medium. And he said, uh, well, man, I just want to say something to you about this, and I'm that, and I'm this, and I'm with the Billy Ward group. And I'm not. So all this made a difference to me. <clears throat> the little anger that I had disappeared, you know. Then I happened to think, well, that's the song we sang. When I got my recording company, now we're laughing and now we're buddy-buddy, you know. <laughs> we're okay now. And so after the show, we, we had, you know, stayed around, had some food and stuff. And then we just started hanging out. And he needed a song. And I'm going to tell you this story because this, the people that know this don't know it. They think they know, but they don't know. Barry Gordy had a sister. I had two sisters. I was talking to one sister. They were photographers huh. in the city of Detroit. They'd go around to all the nightclubs and take pictures. You've seen guys that do that stuff. Well, that's what they did. His sister and him, and there was another guy. I think it was Renee or something. I never, I never met him. And they wrote, they, they wrote these songs. But the main thing they did was take those pictures. So she, she uh, said, I want you to meet my brother. So I said, okay. So he came in one night, and I met him. And he said, uh, if you need any music, man, let me know. We, we, we do a lot of writing, got a lot of stuff. I said, okay. And uh, I never did go. So he had a little studio about as big as your bathroom. So is this before Motown? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah this right. is way before, yeah. way before Motown. Okay. And uh, uh, so I talked to uh, to her about us recording something. 
Well, now that I got Jackie in there, Jackie's asking me, we're talking about, he wants to write something, uh, he wants to record something. He had a song I called Repetite that was on uh, Decca, Brunswick label. And it didn't do anything. It was a great record, great record, but didn't do anything. And uh, so next thing I know, when Jackie was in town and I was in town, I asked her, you think you got anything over there Jackie can use? Jackie wants to do uh, do some more recording, doesn't have enough material. She said, yeah, 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 yeah. She was ready for that, you know. So we get there, and then we go through this pile of records, all these demos, uh, and uh, I hear To Be Loved. Loved it. Jackie didn't like it. So I said, well, if you don't want it, I'll take it. Well, Gwen says, how are you going to take, take our, his record, his, his record, she said, and not mine? Now, her song was like, uh, Gwendolyn, dun, 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 sweet, 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 sweet Gwendolyn. And I'm saying, are you kidding Oh, bubblegum song, you know, song. And I said, no. I said, <laughs> she said, well, you got to take, take uh, Jackie said, don't worry about it, man. I'll take the song. Now, the only person I heard say that was uh, doing that, I think it was doing that show that the first, uh, uh, what is this thing they had for, for Motown? Motown Revisited or something like that. They had a special on. And I heard Richard Pryor. He got close to that, and uh, I never called uh, Barry and asked him, does he remember exactly how he got that song? Well, I had it first. Then Jackie got it. So Jackie and I went to the hotel when he got that song, and we, we just started singing the song. He had the demo, and we both sang the song together. He, Jackie could always sing a half tone higher than me, and that used to make me so mad. <laughs> but uh, I was my guy. You know, we had a little vocal thing, you know, and at the time, I, I, I could get there. And so uh, next thing I know, uh, Jackie came out with the song To Be Loved. And that's what I understand. I don't know the story because I wasn't there. I can only uh, go by what people have told me. That started Motown. He had X amount of money, and then he got X amount from uh, his parents or something, the family or something, and put that building up. Well, it was already there. just rented the building out. And there were plenty of other artists that were part of that start of Motown that were seeing you in the charms. Yeah, yeah. Those, 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 at, that, at that time, all these people that you know of now as stars, were, they weren't in the picture. They weren't there at all. Uh, you take Motown was a was a factory, pretty much, and all everything pretty much sound. You could tell who produced them by the way the sound. It would stay in that vein, you know. And then uh, it was pretty much you can tell it's Motown. All you do is listen listen to the record. You can tell it's Motown. Uh, they had some wonderful writers, uh, producers, you know, like. Uh, Two brothers, they had names start with a C, but I can't remember the rest of the, the name. But they were brothers, and they did a lot of good work, uh, along with uh, Smokey, 
And then there was another writer. These are producers. They're producing this music. And that's why you got the... They stayed in that little group, and, they, and that's why you got that sound. Uh, it's not really a sound. It's a feeling that you get when you, when you hear Motown songs. Mm-hmm. You know it's Motown. So that's not a hearing thing. It's a feeling, I think, mm-hmm. you know. But other than that, that was, that was a nice with my guy, and he wound up going on, Dick Clark, and uh, took off. My mother had every clipping and everything else of his. And uh, when he passed away, it was a sad day for me. Uh, we were just together, just best best buds. And that's, uh, that's important. Uh, I didn't have a lot of people that I could call buddies because we were busy mo- moving around, working, and I'm working up days and nights and arranging harmony, arranging uh, uh Choreography, writing songs. I forget how many songs I've got in, in BMI and ASCAP, but it's a lot. Where everybody else is partying, I'm in there at 5 o'clock in the morning writing songs or changing the choreography, putting something new on this or something like that. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but I learned uh, I've always had the work ethic uh, from sports. But if I didn't know something, it was important for me to continue doing something that I, I couldn't do. Now, I've been, I've been trying to figure out, you had such a string of hits yourself yeah. that you're doing all those arrangements. But on top of it, I've come to better understand how much you were also working in the studio on other artist productions. Right. So you're in the King Spot, a building that you've played a lead role in helping to... Right, right. Looks like we're getting saved now. And in that building, you're not only doing you know, your own work, your own songs, right. but then you're working as well as an, working as an engineer, helping with an arranger, doing backup vocals, right. playing, wearing many hats, which true. sounds like, yeah, like Henry w- was helping to do it. I guess the only difference with, Henry was not a lead singer, no, no, vocalist no, 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 star. No, 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 no. You played star and you were behind right. the scenes working with the other artists to help bring that out. Yeah, we did a, um... Two of the strongest songs I've heard probably in my life, uh, my show business life, uh, The Twist, that was produced and arranged by Henry Glover and myself, and my group sang backup on it. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, with Willie John. You don't hear these names, Willie John or Hank Ballard. They were more important than you think to this music um, the times were so strong. Willie John did Fever. Mm-hmm. Never know how much I love you. You know that song. And then Hank did uh, The Twist. Well, Henry Glover and I sat down at the piano and tried to work that, that pattern. Took us two days to do that. We just couldn't get, the, could, couldn't get it right. And we he'd hit a few and I'd hit a few and and we'd sit in there, like I said, three or four o'clock in the morning, messing around with different uh uh artists and, and band members, wanting to take that out and put this in, take that guitar player out and bring another one in, take that horn player out and bring another one in. You know, it was just uh I'm following his lead and he he's teaching me all the time. Uh, uh how to run the com- uh, control panel. Uh, 
Uh, he was just uh, he was just the strongest person I've ever known in my life. In my lifetime, I learned more from him than I've learned from any single human being. And he he was just a nice person. And what you see when you look at a picture of him, that's him. He just got no just a nice little smile. That's Henry. And uh, now he's gone. Can we back up for just one second? Because as I'm listening to all of this, I just think that something that needs to get put in context for people that might not capture that as they're listening to all of the history that's being said and everything that you're talking about. Um, I feel like people need to put themselves in the shoes, in your shoes. It's 1953. You're in high school. Like, does everybody remember what they were when they were a junior in high school? Not that, literally. Okay, <laughs> and, and and we're talking about we're not talking about 2018, where all of this stuff has already been done. Elvis has come and gone. The Beatles have come and gone. Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Nicki Minaj, whatever. They're sampling and all of these. Anybody can make a record in their basement. And they're sampling all of these arrangements and all of these things, and we have all this access to information, and we have all the past to look at. 1953, Otis Williams doesn't have the internet, the computer, or anything. There's the Cincinnati Enquirer, his football coach, and his mom. And he's literally, you're playing in basically what is a high school variety show that you probably got roped into by some girl you had a crush on because <laughs> you're into football and sports. Somebody important sees you, sees the talent, and says, give all that stuff up and come sing with us in the studio, and we'll record you. By the way, leave all your bandmates behind. And you're like, uh, we all think, I'm going to be a rock star. I could be like Elvis. I could be like the Beatles. Blah, blah, blah. None of that existed yet. Mm-hmm. So sure. you're not given a silver golden spoon of success at this point it's like real work and as you had said you didn't even know what you were doing all right you didn't even know how to sing yet because again you're a high school kid who's playing football who somebody sees is super talented yeah and then henry glover basically sees that and says wow i'm gonna invest all of this experience I have, all of this time I have, all of this uh, musical knowledge into this person who has all of this talent that I don't have. And you took that and ran with it. By the end of 1954, you got a number one million copies sold of essentially a completely new genre of music. And it's a million copies sold in a country that's not 300 million people like today, it's like 120 million people. I don't know what the population was in 54, but it's not what it is now, 300 and something million people. I think it's 325. Now. Now. And so the amount of actual volume that is and the people's ability to go buy that album and the distribution that wasn't there, I mean, truly a... It's a once in a once in a world life. It's a extremely significant event that your head must have just been 
spinning. And then next thing you know, you're in Detroit and you're hanging out with Jackie Wilson and there's all these people around you and, and it just, it's, it's mind blowing. And yeah. the fact that we get to sit here and yeah. now, you know why Paul McCartney wanted to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we, we were getting it to enjoy that oral history from you and I'm fucking blown away. <laughs> well, and to, with some of those artists that mentioned, or I know that this show has been talking about the Paul McCartney visit too, but you mentioned throughout another one, you mentioned uh, ivory tower, yeah. And I've read Brian Wilson talking about how he, with his brothers, learned how to sing harmony because they're copping Otis Williams and the Charms doing Ivory, right. Ivory Tower. Right. You know, and so that, or take Elvis, you know, picking up Otis stuff, picking up Jackie Wilson stuff, you yeah. know, or, and to that point with Paul McCartney. So, like, yeah. what is it like then to, you know, see some of these cats come and, Clearly love your stuff. I love. I, I love and the then, fact that they're doing it, and, and they, then move with it. You know, taking it. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I'm just not that kind of person to just uh, embrace everything like that. I mean, I just do. You know, I just do stuff, and it comes out right for some reason. And when I hear someone else do my stuff, like Presley. Uh-huh. Uh did hearts made of stone? It's on. It's on the internet. I don't. I'm, I appreciate it, but I'm not. A, I'm not. Uh, uh, what do you say? That doesn't make me happy. Okay. You know what I mean. I'm glad they did it. I hope they made it meant off of it. But it doesn't make my day when I get awards and things like that. I appreciate everything I get. If I did something and I get an award for it, I appreciate it. If I don't get an award for something that I should get an award for, I don't appreciate it. But it's just what it is. I don't pat myself on the back and I'm beating my chest. And I'm just one of those low-key kind of guys. You know, I, I do. I play football the same way. Play baseball all my life the same way. I just do what I do, you know, and, and I appreciate anything that I when I can help someone, I, I do that. Uh, I'm not asking for anything. I'm not, um, but I'm open. If I care about someone, I'm open to help them do what they need. They can do. But uh, I, yeah, I appreciate Presley, and I appreciate uh, what is it? Uh, his name is uh, Chubby Checker. Took that record, mm-hmm. The Twist. It's the only song. Only song that everybody in the world could do and did at one time. Mm. Think you, you don't think about that. Nobody mm. thinks about that stuff. That's the only song that everybody in the world did, from kids to granddad, granddaddy and mama. You know what I mean? <laughs> they. Uh, it's nice that it's it, in the DNA of music. That's part of like the the fabric of rock and roll of wedding reception of of uh jubilee jubilation i mean it's it's like a everybody knows it everybody's done it yes everybody he, he and still he, today it's they're still doing it he wrote that song and it's fantastic he yeah. wrote the song the one of his ymc we, we grew up you know around uh, boxing and all that stuff 
He wrote that song after watching. We used to have a dance every Wednesday night. They bring in a big band if they could. Count Basie, something about anybody. And uh, he saw the kids in there doing the dance, doing the twist, but not doing the twist, knowing it was a twist. They were just dancing. And out of all the dancing he saw, he saw it picked up on a couple of people doing the twist. He went back to the hotel, the Man's Hotel, up in Walnut Hills, wrote the song that day, took it on the road. We He must have done it two or three times. It sounded like crap. And uh, <laughs> so when he came to Cincinnati, he called me and said, hey, man, I got this song. I just left the, I just left the Drifters, I mean, uh, Midnighters, and I uh, want to know if you come on over and do this song for me. I said, yeah, come on. I'll come over and listen to it. So I get over there, and it's the twist. But it sound like... <laughs> like, pause. <laughs> hey, I got something I want you to hear. <laughs> but, it sound, but it sounds like crazy. You know, it's not the same thing we, what I did with the... Well, you I guys fixed it. Yeah. 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 Let's just say it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I turned the song around, and uh, all we needed then was... Uh, the band, you know, I, everything else was there. I put it all in place. I did it one night and uh, with the harmonies and where this should be, you know. And people would say, well, that wasn't part of the song. I said that was the most important. One of the most important parts of the song was ooh, wop, wop. And he said, come on, baby, ooh, wop, wop. That made that song. That was bang, bang. And, uh, and everybody could sing it. Everybody could do it. You know, it was very easy, simple, and it was new. It was new at that time. It was new, but it was the last hit doo-wop song. That is singing it. The last one was in 50, 60, 58, and that was, that was the twist. You know, I, as many times as I heard that song, it wasn't until a, a recent time getting together when it, all of a sudden you share that, and yeah. it's like, yeah, it, they're... The backup is literally singing right. do wop wop. Right. Yeah. And, and it's you know, I, I <laughs> Nobody thinks about it. You don't think about it. When you see it hear the song, you just know it's there. Yeah. yeah. You know, it makes it happen for you. Because you can sit there and just ooh, you know, yeah. and the girls are ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it was great. It was great, but I don't I don't know how where I, where it came from. For that for, to be in that places that I put it. But the group was good. I had a great they just got me a great group. I just, uh, it was it was beautiful to do that song, and and Hank sang well. He can't dance; he couldn't dance a lick, but he could sing. He could do the twist. Yeah, but he didn't do it. <laughs> Hank, I mean, Hank didn't dance, man. He wouldn't that's, dance. That's... I said, "Come on, come on, man." <laughs> His group didn't dance, and then... <laughs> you said he had a good voice. You know, you've heard that song covered a billion times by yeah. a billion people, but when you do hear the Hank Ballard version, it's the one that makes the hair on your back of your yeah. spine stand up. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? It really does. That is the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the same thing with uh with the when we did, when we did uh uh fever. What to do with the song? What should we do with this song? It was just a cold opening beginning. Uh but what to do with it? Never know how much I love you. We can do that. We can do, you know. We didn't know what to do with the thing. And 
So the whole thing of the twist, I mean, uh, fever, was turned around to there was nothing there. All we did was dun, dun, dun. The bass line, it's awesome. That's what we came up with. And I said, now we need something else. So we we were doing a, a, a practice run on the song, and all the guys were just... Mm. Popping the fingers, we left it in. Then we did something else to it. Uh, the horns, we didn't have horns. All we had was voices. But if you listen to it, you can hear his voices. You can hear the voices, but they sound like horns. That's what you you, you have to tear it down mm. to really understand how strong that song was. It was a whole lot of nothing, but it was a it was very strong. I remember the very first time I ever heard that song, I bought a box of 45s out of a barn, and it was either Peggy Lee or Nancy Sinatra version, mm-hmm. but I hadn't heard. And I was young and put it on. First time I ever heard it, I'm like, this is so cool. This is like the cool guys coming yeah. out of the gymnasium. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that bass line. And it's, yeah. Even the yeah. – even the, Sinatra and the Peggy Lee versions are pretty hollow in terms right. of other stuff. They didn't go too far off of the original version. You couldn't. You could. You and can't. You can't do it. You, yeah, you left everything out yeah. and left all the space, yeah. and it's just the ba- that baseline groove and then right. th- the lyrics. It's fucking genius. I thought we came out of. I thought. I'm, I thought I'm we... dropping f bombs all over. I'm sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> no I apologize. <laughs> you heard that word right? <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah, I, know. Yeah, I thought that. Uh, we did a great job on it, and I think Willie did a super great job on it. Um, yeah, and see, Willie wouldn't sing. Uh, Willie get on a on a stool and and turn all the lights down and get him a bottle of wine. That's he. That's where he recorded. He wouldn't if he uh, Nathan, the owner would come down and sit in the control room and watch him. He wouldn't sing. He would not sing. Sidney never heard him sing. The final cut. Never. How how many Little Willie John sessions were you in on? Uh, three. Three of them. Yeah, we worked together on Top Ten Review for like okay. nine months, six and nine, six and nine months. But uh, we, I think we were on three. Um, a lot of times I wasn't, we didn't, I didn't use the voices on. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't use the voices on everything. But when I used the voices, I would always try to pull them back, make it something like what you hear today. You can take it and make it sound something. You can make it this sound dap, or you can make it sound. That's what I did. I just made it sound, you know, smooth instead of at you. And we did a lot of stuff like that. Uh, we played. We didn't have the materials to work with, you know, the instruments, and uh, it was. You know, uh, what's his name? Paul that came out with this this guitar thing. Uh, what's his name? Les Paul. Les Paul. Yeah, yeah. It was new then. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything was like, wow, you can make I can make my guitar sound like that. Yeah, oh, with the multi tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we were doing. We were doing that not because it was him of him, because of what we heard. You know, we just heard something. Like if you write a song, you. You hear something. You, you want to do that. You know, and you take the rest of it and throw it out and then go back, leave that in and try to 
put the other stuff in again. You know, it's just a lot of pro working process, pro progress, but it's mean, it means so much when you do it, and you just love it when you do it. You know, you just, you just feel great, man. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's the passion. Yeah. It's, it's so exciting to see you have that passion. I'm it's, sure that you guys can, you can't see it, but you can hear it for listeners. It's just done something you've done, and it makes you feel like, whew, that was that was great. You're tired, you know. You through you, everything's out of you. You know what I mean? That's what music is to me, uh, and I love it that way. You know, that's what it is. I don't, you know, but everybody's got their own thing. Like I said, uh, everybody's got a story. Mine is uh, whatever I hear in my head, what I feel, what what makes me feel good. Is what I do, you know, about people, about the business. If I'm feeling good about the business today, I'll let you know. But if you ask me tomorrow, I may tell you some of the rotten stuff. And there's a lot of rotten stuff, you know. Yeah, but my takeaway from, from this entire conversation is is Henry. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jackie. Right. And, you know, these people in your life that uh, were everything. Right. And uh, those were the those that was the first thing you talked about when we started this conversation were the other people who right. made you what you are. Right, right. Well, it's true. It's true. They gave me, they made me understand that I had a voice, uh, not saying voice, but I had a voice. I had a talent, mm -hmm. and uh, and I didn't understand it. I didn't know it. I didn't know anything about it. But they made me know, and so I took it from there. Once I found out. And I just dug in, hmm. and I hope I did a lot of good, some good anyway in the business. It's, oh yeah, it's uh makes me feel good. Well, we couldn't be more honored to have you in this community. Uh, I can't even believe that we're having you on this podcast. <laughs> uh, it's it's been a huge honor, and uh, man, we're just sitting here amongst. Uh, music history right here and uh, that's what we're hey, here for. Hey, can you come over here about. and check out the twist? I, <laughs> I can't figure it out and I need you to help me fix this song I wrote. <laughs> uh, he, he said some people, everybody has a story and some people have a story where they helped invent music. <laughs> we, we did something too. I'm sure I could think of it if yeah. I sit around for a while. Wow. I thank you guys for having me, man. Man, it's thank been, you. It's been a trip. It's 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 a nice interview. I like this. Cool. You know, Good. thank you very much. I do a lot of interviews, and uh, this is completely different from the one I did last week. <laughs> and she didn't she didn't know anything. <laughs> I mean, you have to. We know. can edit that though. <laughs> I hate I, I hate to, I hate to say it like that, but I'm I'm truthful, man. You know, she'll learn. Yeah. You know, like everybody else, you have to learn. But that was tough. Yeah. <laughs> that was tough. We've had a fantastic time speaking with you, and it's been an honor and a pleasure to hear just a tiny bit of what yeah. you have. Uh, God, sure. sure it would be nice to get a lot more of it yeah. Yeah. out yeah. and get it. Well, I, I think we'll have to extend the offer. Please come back anytime. Yeah. Consider this, you know. 
I appreciate it, and I enjoy you guys. What are you doing man. next week? <laughs> <laughs> you can bust in on us anytime. I'll add a, I'll add a you little. know, your son came back twice in a row, so I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. You, you, you can follow. It must follow. Be, it's all right if he says uh, Yeah, yeah. If I'll he share, says so, it's all right. I'll share a little outtake on, I know you all have been reviewing the Paul McCartney experience. I will uh, thank you, Otis and Kent, for giving Jesse and I a ride to go down there when we had the honor to meet because Paul yeah. McCarty wanted to meet you, but yeah. uh, also gave us that uh, car ride down to the spot as just a, another little side anecdote, oh, at which I fine. do have that prize possession where I got you to autograph my copy of Midnight Cowboys. Did and I, 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 yeah, yeah, you did, you did. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's a pro, you know, a real prize possession that I have oh. to be able to have you know your imprint there on that fantastic record amongst many Thank awesome you. records and then to join up with this space i mean opening of herzog music to come back and continue to allow us to celebrate this great yeah. great music that you played such a incredible role with and continue to teach us about some of the others that taught you well i appreciate having you guys having me honest i really do and it's been like i said it's probably the best interview i've had because uh, it's it's just there. We're just talking. You know what I mean? Just, it's, just, it's just there. And lost on the river. Like yeah, that's, said, what, that's why we call it lost yeah, on the river. We just, stuff like that is that uh, spontaneous. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. makes it, that makes it good. You know, it's like, See where the river takes you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's nice for me. He knows, my son knows, I'm not one who likes, I don't like too much uh, doing interviews because most times, the people don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. The questions they asked are just so menial that you don't want to, you know, get into it. And I'm not about that menial stuff, you know. If you're going to talk about what I do for a living, give me, ask for some meat, and I'll give you some meat. You know what I mean? I don't have to ask anybody anything. I already it's all right here, right in my brain, and I'll give you what you ask for. But you got to ask me, otherwise I can talk all day. I've got 60 years in this business, <laughs> so I can talk a whole lot. Well, let's do it again. Uh, Otis Williams, our guest here on Lost on the River. Uh, thank you again. It's just been a real honor and a pleasure, and we hope to have you back again real soon. Thank you, sir. This has been Lost on the River, Episode 10, with our guest Otis Williams, Lauren Elise, and uh, we're all just kind of in awe of what just happened. Elliot Ruther here with us as well. And uh, thanks to all of our guests this evening. Thanks also to our sponsors, the Thunderdome Restaurant Group, bringing you favorites like the Eagle, Maplewood Kitchen and Bar, Kruger's, and Bakersfield. Also thanks to Otto's in Covington and, of course, Eli's Barbecue, the Cincinnati USA Music Heritage Foundation. And thanks to Clint Stevenson, our engineer, Matt Spalding, producer. And, of course, all seeing eyes for our... Here's, music. Here's, here's my request. Yes. Uh, All Seeing Eyes, the intro and outro music. This episode, episode 10, the outro music, let's, let's fade out with uh, Ballard's The Twist. Let's do it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Sounds phenomenal. Join us next time when we get lost on the river. <laughs> <laughs>